When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Second down at 12 for protection. And there is Thielen. He is into the end zone. A touchdown right from the get-go for Adam Thielen. Yeah, throwing 10 times is really unique. Um, probably haven't had a game with that few attempts since since literally Pop Warner. I think I probably threw 10 times or more in most high school games too. So... It was what the game called for, and um, I have no problem with being conservative. As long as we win the football game, that's all that matters to me. And um, we found a way to get the win, so the approach was um, was a great approach. That was quarterback Kirk Cousins. The Minnesota Vikings are 1-0. and Welcome to Purple Daily, and for the first time in show history... Because we launched this a few months ago in the offseason, we get to break down a real-life football game that mattered and counted. And to help me do that for the first hour of the show, former NFL quarterback, the journeyman correspondent for us here, Sage Rosenfels. What is up, Sage? Good afternoon, Matthew. Always nice to talk about the Vikings on a victory uh, Monday. So... Uh, yeah, not, not, not a bad start. And, you know, eight of 10, uh, you know, 10 passes. You don't see that very often in an NFL football game. But uh, I think all Vikings fans would say that was a beautiful win. That was a beautiful Mike Zimmer coached, uh, football team out there on Sunday. Uh, 80% completion percentage for the quarterback, a 140 rating. So, uh, Kirk Cousins doesn't have too much to be upset about. Sage, you once won a game while playing for Gary Kubiak in which you threw a total of 18 passes for 128 yards and your team won 42 to 28. So, how does it feel as the quarterback when you don't throw the ball a lot, but you win anyway? So, I believe you're talking about a, a start out in Oakland, California. Uh, we didn't have to throw a ball a ton that game or run the ball fairly well. Got a couple turnovers. But I'll even one-up you on that. Uh, I believe the year before that or two years before that, uh, I was uh, backing up David Carr down in Houston. And I had gotten injured, actually. I broke my wrist earlier in the year, so I was on IR. But they went out to Oakland, and uh, and we had negative. I think we had 32 yards passing. We had like 38 <laughs> yards in sacks. And so I believe we had like negative five yards passing total, and we won the game. They turned the ball over a couple of times, and 
uh, and, and you know, Ron, Ron Dane, I think was our running back, the old Wisconsin Badger. Ron and, Dane. you know, we just wow. sort of like, let's just not screw this thing up. And, you know, the Vikings got that lead the other day and just sort of sat on, uh, this Atlanta Falcons team. And, you know, we, we saw what a difference, by the way, one year. Of course, it's Atlanta, doesn't have a great defense, doesn't do, doesn't stop the run all that great. But, you know, the way they ran the football yesterday, that was, uh, you know, a, a Big, big difference between this year and last year. So you had a win where you threw 18 against Jacksonville, 19 was against Oakland, and both of those were victories uh, with Houston. So um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight, uh, yeah, Jacksonville, that's right. Well, I had, a, I had a Raiders game, I feel like maybe I threw 20 passes. Yeah, it, it was 19. More, yep. But uh, it was, that, that was a Monday night game, so uh, that was like, uh, again, we, we caught the lead, and it was like, all right, Sage, let's not screw this thing up, and so we were, we played pretty conservative, and, and their quarterback uh, didn't play very well that, and our defense played well, and and I got a win with, yeah, with 18 attempts. Still so, still. An interception, of course. So really interesting um, for me, Sage. I started looking through the po- uh, Pro Football Focus grades right before we were going on because they will grade the game and then they'll post it and then they'll change the grades a little bit based on the All Twenty Two film that comes out. So their first grading of this game found the offensive lineman to just be okay, but for Delvin Cook to be fantastic, as you might expect, running over a hundred yards, breaking big plays, and I-, I think it's a combination of. If the offensive line does just enough and the scheme from Rick Dennison, who is the run game coordinator, is as good as it's usually been for him, combined with the elite talent of Delvin Cook, who had as much burst as I've ever seen from him yesterday, they can do this a lot. And I'm not saying 10 passes, but they can do this a lot where they consistently break explosive plays, runs over 10 yards. We even saw Alexander Madison come up with a 17-yard run yesterday. And I think a lot of it was just play design, that they mixed different types of schemes. It wasn't all one type of run scheme like they talked about uh, running a lot of zone stuff. Uh, the the 21-yard touchdown or 19-yard touchdown was a power scheme. So it's it was interesting to me that there were a lot of different things that the Vikings in the running game threw at Atlanta yesterday. And for the fans uh, listening at home, the po- a power scheme would be more of a sort of uh, double team or some down blocks with generally a guard uh, pulling around sort of like a counter, but only one person pulling. And so, you know, that obviously very different than the zone inside outside zone scheme of, yeah, Rick Dennison and Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski, which worked very well in that game. And I've, I always thought in that offense and that style of offense, uh, that outside zone scheme, uh, it, it seemed like when, you know, back in the days of Mike Shanahan at Denver and when Kubiak was in Denver, they never had great backs. Uh, you know, obviously they had, um, what's his face who's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the the, uh, the the running back that was in the Hall of Fame that was fantastic. I can't think of his name off Terrell the top Davis. of my head. Terrell Davis. Jeez, how can I remember him? So, but after that, it was like you know they they would take these guys in the seventh round, run drafted, or you know Mike Anderson would run for twelve hundred yards, and it was like who are these guys? Olandis Gary, yeah, yeah, all these guys, and they would regularly churn out these thousand yard se- seasons by basically unknown backs. Then in Houston, you know, Aaron Foster, he was after me, but he was pr- pretty much an own, unknown guy, I believe, undrafted or seventh rounder, and he led the NFL in rushing. Uh, a year or two, I think, at over fifteen hundred yards. So I always thought, if the, if 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 this system actually had a premier back, uh, you know, like I thought to myself, you know, Adrian Peterson when I came to Minnesota from Houston, man, if if Adrian could have been in that style of system where you know Ron Dane somehow ran for seven hundred yards last year, what would Adrian run for? 
Well, Dalvin Cook is that guy in a sense of like, man, he is explosive. And when you see that sort of north south south rain style where it's not, you know, the jitterbug deal, this offense is, you know, the, the, those outside zone schemes. You're starting your line, and when you see that hole, you cut up. And, and Madison did a great job as well. And man, uh, Dalvin Cook explodes through that line and sort of around the end a lot of times and just outruns any sort of pursuit where it might have been a tackle uh, for a seven-yard gain by somebody else, and he's taken it for 25. I, I don't think there's been this explosive of a running back that I've seen in a while, uh, in particular in this style of offense. This guy can go to the house at any moment. Um, and you know the question is, you know, can he's a Porsche? You know, he's he's a Lamborghini. He's not a Jeep. And the question is, you know, can he stay healthy for you know the vast majority of the season? That would be huge for the Vikings. So here's my question for you, Sage. I'm going to put this out on a Twitter poll. Can the Vikings use the style of offense that they had yesterday? And I am not suggesting that they throw ten passes. They're not Army, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I would guess throughout the season they will throw a lot more than ten in, in a lot of games. But I was even going back through 2017 and looking at Case Keenum and the number of games where he threw for 160 yards, 150 yards, and they got wins. I could think of three or four right off the top of my head that they were able to do this. So it's not like a Mike Zimmer team has never used running conservative quarterback play, hit a few passes down the field like the touchdown uh, from Kirk Cousins to Adam Thielen and then play great defense. So my question for you, Sage, is can this keep working? I mean, this was the style that Mike Zimmer came in this year and said, this is what I want Mike Zimmer football to be. And if it doesn't work, well, at least it was mine. At least it wasn't John Filippo running 40 passes out of the shotgun constantly, right? Um, can they be a, well, a great team if they play this way? Well, I, I, yes, I, I do believe so, and and but I also think this: if Mike Zimmer had Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, I think he'd want to open it up. Right? Yeah, I, yes, I, think I agree. He does yes. understand? You know, he, it's not like you know you have to like Mike Dicka back in the like there was only one way to win the Chicago Bears back in the eighties. There wasn't like well, you know, all of a sudden Dan Rio showed up, they probably would have been the hand the ball off to, to, to Peyton anyway. So uh, I think don't, don't think Mike Zimmer's hard headed like that, but I just truly believe that. He feels with this quarterback, with this offensive line, uh, with that combination of the defense and, and you know the two really good receivers that that we have, uh, and, and just that you know the, the type of backs that they have. Like this is the style more often than not that's going to win us more games than not. And you know the defensive style, this uh, sort of slow it down attack, huddle up. You know sort of the anti uh, Texas Tech or, or Cliff Kingsbury and now at uh, the Arizona Cardinals is a slow-it-down game, and the thing about it is, you know, you can slow down the other good offenses, too, and you keep a lot of games close. When everyone only has nine or ten possessions in a football game versus 15 or 16, uh, those games are always more low-scoring. They are a lot of times seven-point games or, or maybe a field goal game. And he believes if he gets a lot of those games, they will win a lot. Uh, you know, probably a lot based off of the fact that he thinks at the end of the day his defense will make a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, those plays. And man, they played excellent yesterday. This Atlanta Falcons offense and this passing attack—they were top three, four in the NFL last year. Matt Ryan threw for a gazillion yards near, I think, forty-nine hundred yards or something like, you know, thirty-five touchdowns. He had a great year last year and you know this defense played phenomenal in its first test got the special 
special teams block field goal. I mean, that was, again, like that was the blueprint for you know, how you'd like to win a football game, knowing, you know, there, there's probably going to be games where Kirk has to throw the ball 40 times this year, and that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, but more often than not, if they can have more of the style, I think he can, he, he sees that as a, you know, a playoff caliber football team that will be very tough to beat in the playoffs. So I want to get into the defense in just a minute, Sage, but to stick with the offensive side, um, Kirk Cousins did get hit a couple times on very few dropbacks. And in terms of the PFF numbers, he was pressured on about half of his dropbacks. And and some of them, one, there was a great move by Grady Jarrett to go right by Pat Elfline and strip sack Kirk. Uh, Didn't end up turning into a huge thing because the Vikings fell on it. Last year, someone would have picked that up and run it into the end zone for sure for Atlanta. But just the the way the ball bounced, you know, the Vikings catch a, a little bit of a break there. And even on the touchdown throw, he does a little bit of a shuffle forward and there's guys falling at his feet. He still makes a really great throw to Adam Thielen. But what I saw from the pass protection was this doesn't look very good when he's got to just take the ball back and make a throw rather than being able to use play action and things like that. So if you were going to nitpick at one thing from yesterday, I actually don't think that the offensive line looks particularly good against a team that really has just one good player up there. And now they've got to go to Green Bay. And then in two weeks, you've got Chicago. So I think that what Mike Zimmer said today, which is there's a lot of things to still clean up in the pass protection. The few times that they did pass protect did a very poor job. And they're going to have to be a lot better than that because I don't suspect that they'll a punt block and interception and then the game will be over by the end of the first quarter, essentially. I think as going forward, that's something that we just didn't find out really, aside from a handful of snaps, that I still think is going to be worth watching quite a bit because I don't think Kirk Cousins is throwing ten passes ever again. Well, if you're going to write a grade for you know every position, every player of how it went yesterday, in, partic- in, in particular uh, p- position groups, You'd like to. Th- I think the offensive line was probably the worst. I, you know, I'd give them. Should I give them an A for 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 running the football? But in pass protection, it wasn't very good. And they somewhere on straight drop back. Uh, Elfline got beat a, a couple times. And, you know, the guy crossing him was a stud. Uh, Bradbury got pushed back a couple times. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen that some in the preseason. I, I, you know, that is one thing that concerns me with him. It seems like a guy who is tough and he could run and can great get uh, uh, create good leverage. But he's not a bigger guy. Uh, and, you know, this style, so that has been the negative. Uh, if you ask around the league and, and people who have different styles of offenses and, and, and what they believe in, um, you know, maybe more power-focused team with, with the guards pulling double teams, the big offensive line teams, uh, you know, pass protection in this zone scheme. Yes, you have these guys who historically have been small on the smaller side of offensive linemen, you know, 295 to 300 rather than 310 and 320 and 330. Uh, but they can run. And that's the whole point is that these guys can run in that zone game. They're quick. They can a lot of times get a guy cut off and, and get a cut block or, or create some sort of seam by their quickness and movement. But in straight drop back protection, that is where they struggle. And they always sort of have. Uh, and that can be up. That can be you know a problem. That's why like a you know Dwayne Brown was so important for the Texans, and then going to uh, the, uh, the, the the Seattle Seahawks as, as their left tackle and has been a stud. Is that he is a guy that can run, but he's also big enough and does a pretty good job in the, in the with straight pass protection. So it's in particular the toughest uh, sometimes that left tackle spot, and then those interior guys. You know, if you have a head up nose guard right on you, and you've got two hundred ninety pound center, that is a tough you know. Uh, you know, thing to do, you know, protect for seven uh, step drop and, you know, four 
four or five seconds in the pocket. So, you know, Kirk does not get the ball off super quick. And I think they, you know, they try to find ways to, to minimize, uh, you know, this issue. I, I think they know it's an issue. They've been seeing it all training camp. I'm guessing that starting defensive line, you know, could beat up that offensive line pretty good, in particular in pass pro stuff. So believe me, you know, Kevin Stefanski and the crew are, this is something that is, they're always going to try to improve. Maybe try a different player at some point. Um, you know, try to do the best with the, the guys they have, but also game plan uh, and try to create d- various pass plays, not just drop back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, the bootleg stuff, the play action stuff, the screens. We saw a little bit of it all yesterday, and that helps with a leaky pass protection. You know, the, the one screen that you mentioned to Kyle Rudolph, it ended up coming back because of a holding, but it was a clever play design, and Kyle Rudolph got in some space and ran after the catch. It was like, well, that's one thing the defense won't see coming, is a screen pass to Rudolph, and then he's got a, a bunch of room. And, and there was some creativity even in those couple of pass plays that, you know, if you're Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak, you're kind of thrilled that you didn't have to really show your cards. So now you go into Green Bay having only run 14 total attempts to pass so that includes even with your uh, penalties that brought them back like pass blocking type of snaps but the concern would be you mentioned Garrett Bradbury had a tough day well you're right on in that and I've never seen this before um, but small samples create weird stats he got a pass blocking grade of zero by Pro Football Focus. Like it went so poorly for him yesterday that he got a zero. And the lowest I'd ever seen before, it's a one to 100 scale, was a seven. And that was Tom Compton against Aaron Donald. So what that tells you is that almost every snap that was pass blocking for Garrett Bradbury went badly for him against Atlanta. And now it's going to be Green Bay and they've got Zadarius Smith and they've got Kenny Clark and they've got beasts and a lot better of a defense. So there is something that does need to be improved for sure for next week. And it's that, and maybe Garrett Bradbury going into his second week, now that he's got his feet wet a little bit, um, will improve there. So let's, uh, let's take a well, break. That, that is well, something that, that is something that uh, I did. You know, you, you don't see a lot in the preseason, uh, but we did see on some some dropback stuff, Garrett struggled. And I uh, said he's a rookie. It's the first time he's doing it. Uh, it seems like in the running game, they're all doing a heck of a job, obviously, through this uh, through, through one week. Uh, but that's going to be a, a major challenge. And so, you know, those those little things, like that screen to Rudolph, I, I believe it was a illegal block in the back, but it was a, it was sort of a bang-bang play. And, mm-hmm. and the, the thing about that play is that is sort of the, you know, we talk about this sort of bootleg and play action stuff, and we've talked about it a million times, but you know, that is the weakest spot of the offense in pass protection is the tight end. The tight end has to block a great pass rushing defensive end, a Daniil Hunter-type player all by themselves. You know, the tackle has to come down to sell run. Then they sometimes come back and try to help out at the end. But that tight end is left on an island with a premier pass rusher. So what do you do? You actually have him lose. Then you throw the screen, and <laughs> right. you're off and running, right? So it's sort of like, you know, hey, if you're going to come after us, you know, big time and, and rush the tight end, we'll throw a screen out that tight end. So it's sort of the, uh, you know, uh, you know, back and forth game, that the strategy game that, uh, you know, I, again, and you don't have to be an amazing running tight end to, to make that happen. It's really about, I mean, Jim Kleinsaucer was great at that. <laughs> he was a great salesman. The only thing that didn't sell well is because he was always such a good blocker, like no way would he get beat, right? So, uh, you know, those are the different ways that this offense is going to try to make up for some of those deficiencies currently in the, the drop-back passing game. Well, 
dare I be impolite by saying Kyle Rudolph doesn't have that problem that uh, defenders would say, wait, you're too good of a blocker. I couldn't beat you. Uh, anyway, so uh, vote on the poll. Can the Vikings win the way they did on Sunday on a weekly basis and win the NFC North? Right now, split right down the middle. Uh, 52% saying yes, 48% no. We'll continue to discuss it. Want to talk about the defensive side when we come back. We've got Sage Rosenfels, Matthew Collar reacting to a 28-12 to win by the Minnesota Vikings over the Atlanta Falcons yesterday and already dipping our toe a little bit in those Green Bay waters. So we'll continue to discuss us as we go forward take a quick break be right back here on purple daily football fans it's Mackie here for federated insurance you might not know this about me but i've been a business owner a couple different times in my life i can relate to the roller coaster ride the never-ending sea of problems to solve the exhilaration of those incremental wins if you're a business owner i recommend getting to know federated which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be you want a company like federated standing behind your business visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Dalvin's a great player. Um, his feet are amazing. Uh, you know, a couple of those plays were designed to go inside, and he just out- outran the perimeter. Um, so uh, he's, a, he's a terrific weapon for us. You know, and obviously we'll have to continue to use him to to uh, best of our ability. Second down and ten. And this is the third big carry of the game, and this one in the end zone. For Dalvin Cook. My, oh my. A huge day for Delvin Cook. I think anybody who has uh, watched it closely at all the Minnesota Vikings over the last two years knows that's exactly what he's capable of if he remains healthy. And I thought the healthy offseason, he had even more burst than he usually does. And the next-gen stats have him down as having several of the fastest top velocities with the football yesterday. So um, impressive, not only from his shiftiness and his power, he ran over a linebacker at one point and then stood over him like Allen Iverson. Um, and then, you know, the the pure speed as well. You know, Sage, we talk so much about how running backs aren't worth it, but um, Delvin Cook, pretty worth it. I mean, just a, a, a really, truly unique talent, I think. He is, and and his thing is speed. Uh, again, there's sort of two types of really good running backs. There's the ones that can run straight forward really fast, and uh, you know maybe make one move, and then they're sort of out. And then the ones that you know sort of bounce around the Barry, the Barry Sanders of the world. You know that sort of they call it agility, but I guess that's you know side to side, you know sort of motion and make guys miss, and and uh, you know sort of less vertical. But he's so fast that when he you know the runs the way he does, he makes that one cut or or somebody's out of a gap defensively, and it could be a 60-yard, 70-yard run really at any moment. Uh, so, yeah, he is a special back, and, and uh, you know, I, I think good backs are worth a first-round draft pick, you know, uh, and everyone has a different style of offense. You know, for New England, they, one, they got a first-rounder last year in Sony Michelle, but, you know, they do multiple backs, they do multiple different things, and they use them a lot of times as wide receivers, and usually they don't pay a lot for their backs or draft them really high, but they love Sony Michelle, so they, you know, went out and spent a first-rounder on them for So I think people do understand, appreciate the value of a good running back, um, and, uh, and the Vikings have, I shoot, they, I think Madison played well yesterday as well. So uh, if Dalvin Cook does get hurt, him and and uh, you know uh, Madison Amir Abdullah 
who looks like they all four dressed for the game, and Mike Boone's also back there. So I like all the running backs. I think that is one of the deep position, deepest positions on this roster. Something that I noticed the Vikings did one time yesterday, and then I see the Patriots do it all the time. When you have Delvin Cook, who is so uniquely talented, not only running but also passing the ball, is they will line up in a five-wide receiver look or four receivers and a tight end with Delvin Cook being one of them and then motion him into the backfield to get a look at how the defense handles that. Right? Does somebody follow him right with him, or do they stay exactly where they are? Just get those little indicators of what they're going to do. And I thought even in the passing game that we saw lots of that, lots of little motions and, and things like that, where Cousins got strip-sacked, but it got overturned. Adam Thielen was going in a motion behind him, and I think the throw should have gone to Thielen. He would have had all day to run. Uh, it didn't, obviously. But I thought some of the play designs in the passing game looked pretty good. So that that's what I want to see more of, Sage, well, as we go next week. Again, you know, that's, this is where the game evolved. Really, Mike Shanahan was one of the originals, and there's been books written about that offense in Denver back in the 90s but you know it was about a lot in a lot of ways of creating these formations to help the offense figure out what the defense is doing pre-snap you know if you just line up uh, in a like two by two formation or a three by one formation and you know there's no motions everyone just stands there the defense they can be the ones moving around and walking around and you can't tell man versus zone and those types of things and it's all disguising but when you're moving a lot and you're you know putting a, a running back out wide the defense has to react. You know, if they're in man-to-man, they'll have a linebacker, you know, guarding him out wide, maybe even a strong safety. They're not going to have a corner on him. If a corner is guarding him and Adam Thielen's on the linebacker, you know it's some sort of zone coverage. So it's a great way to, you know, really help out everybody, but in particular, you know, Kirk Cousins. But it helps out other wide receivers. You know, you, you collect information, and the more things that an offensive coordinator can do to help the entire offense know what the other, what the other team might be in, uh, it's very, very good for the offense. And so uh, another thing about the whole empty and bringing a running back back in is a lot of times as you go into a game plan, and I'm sure Mike Zimmer has it, first time they go empty, we're going to check to this. Mm-hmm. right? And it's, of course, based off of down-and-distance situation. The team goes empty and you're, you know, it's at the end of the game. It might be an all-out blitz. But teams usually have their sort of first empty play. This is what we want to do. For third downs, they go empty. We want to go cover one. Or we want to do with this, or we want to do with that. And a lot of times you go in empty, it sort of makes the defense make that decision that they're going to check to man-to-man, let's just say, and then you bring Dalvin Cook back in the backfield, and now you can have good pass, uh, better pass protection. And so uh, there's a lot of reasons that you know Kubiak and, and Stefanski will spend on formations to really help the offense run a lot of, the lot, you know, a lot of times the same plays. Uh, Sage Rosenfels, Matthew Collar, if you're just joining us, Purple Daily Show here, breaking down the Vikings' win over the Falcons. The poll, 56% of 400 votes saying that, yes, the Vikings can play this like this on a weekly basis and win the NFC North. But uh, some people are mad about the poll. Um, I, I was asked if uh, I put the poll out there to see how stupid fans are, and I, I don't understand that one. Uh, who in the hell is you voting? You do rub yes. people the wrong way I, a little bit on Twitter. I'm not going to lie to you. you got and in real that. life, sometimes. Not you in particular. but <laughs> I, I feel like I saw a former Viking uh, getting after your Twitter account uh, uh, yesterday. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Kyle needs to um, log I will say off, this about the defense. Right. Uh, the, the defense played great. <laughs> Uh, I don't think they'll play great all year long. We saw them get exposed a little bit last year. There were definitely some issues. I mean, they jumped off sides, I believe, three times that created first downs on 
third and three, third and four. I mean, the, you cannot, you just can't have those. And in some ways, those are turnovers. You know, uh, you know, if you have an issue where you jump off sides on third down, that's, you're just giving them another first down where it could be a punting situation. So, you know, obviously Anthony Harris played fantastic. I got to imagine he's going to be the, uh, you know, defensive, you know, NFC special teams player of the week. Or at least up for it. I got to think he will win it with two interceptions and a fumble recovery. Harrison Smith was everywhere as always, whether he was in the box or out in the, in the safety. Roman, you know, Jerron Curse was uh, played well, and I I saw him playing in the slot. I saw him playing out at corner. You know, he's sort of a safety corner. I don't know. I mean, he's a secondary guy, I guess. He's a he's a DB. So he was playing sort of all over the place, and, and he had ended up having nine tackles, and I thought it was did a good job. You know, Anthony Barr, one thing I thought was interesting was against this offense, they, they uh, uh, blitzed Anthony Barr a lot in this game. First play of the game was a sack from Anthony Barr, and they blitzed him probably, I feel like, seven, eight, nine times uh, you know, in this football game, maybe sometimes for the run, but that was the attack that they were going to have. And, and Anthony's very, very good at rushing the passer. He really is almost like a defensive end when he's rushing the passer. He's excellent at that. So, you know, all around, uh, obviously the defense, you know, there's there's mistakes and guys could play better and there's a play here or there. But, you know, all in all, there's a lot to be happy about with this defense. The, the, the secondary played extremely well for having a couple guys out. You love, Sage, when you take a guess at something and then I have the exact number and you nailed it. Nine times Anthony Barr rushed the passer. He created <laughs> pressures uh, four of those times. I, I don't... I, you are just good at uh, gathering information live, and I like to uh, double-check what I see <laughs> with the numbers. Well, but uh, two quarterback hits, one sack, and one hurry for four total pressures out of nine. And, and this is the way to use Anthony Barr, right? Is It's not he rush is, him more. It's make sure that he gets pressures when you do rush him. Yeah, and he's a rare athlete. I mean, you know, on the first third down of the game, Matt Ryan runs for a first down, i, I got to think, but Anthony Barr ran him down. Uh, you know, from from over the ball, and and Matt Ryan had a couple steps on him. So he is a very good athlete. He does a lot of things well. He's just he's uh, he's hard for you know for running backs to block. He can be hard for even a left tackle to block. Yeah, he covers fairly well in the passing game and, and can stop the run. So he's a very versatile player, and uh, and he has a nose for you know getting to the quarterback. And some people just have that, and and he definitely has it. So um, it's a very good defense. We'll see how they play all year. Uh, I, I was pretty excited that they were stopping the run. I felt I thought last year with Sheldon Richardson, they were giving up. I felt like a lot of four, five, six yard runs where you know in this style of defense you got to think you want to be in third and longs a lot that was a, a big thing when when i was playing for the vikes over and back in 2009 with you know we had the, the williams you know quote-unquote brothers in the middle uh you know pat and kevin and, and they were so good at stopping the run which created uh you know of course with our linebackers but but created these situations of third and seven third and eight in the passing game and that's why you know one reason jared allen was so good uh, he knows the quarterback's going to hold him to the football. When it's third and two, it's hard to get a good pass rush. But when it's third and seven, it's a whole different story. So you know, you got to stop the run on first and second down. I thought the Vikings did a pretty good job of that yesterday. So, Sage, uh, today Mike Zimmer said that he saw the Everson Griffin that made the Pro Bowl in 2017 and was a dominant player. And I tend to agree on that. And when you look at the numbers he put up yesterday, four uh, quarterback pressures, but he gets a sack, he gets a quarterback hit. 
uh, gets a run stuff in there, and he didn't receive unbelievable PFF grades for that game. But I thought, considering that he was a game wrecker at times, that's what you're looking for for Everson Griffin. And I noticed what was maybe different than the second half of last year was in the fourth quarter, he was still grinding out there and getting quarterback pressures and causing havoc. And even if he's not technically getting a pressure, they always have to pay so much attention to him when he's playing dominant football. I think that there's a domino effect to Everson Griffin. And when he was out, we saw it. And when he's in and at his best, we see it. Where if you're the opposing offense, if you're the Falcons, you're going into that game saying, okay, we're going to have to give help on the right side because Daniil Hunter is there and he could kill someone because he's going up against the rookie. But here comes Everson Griffin. That means he's likely one-on-one. You can't double-team both of these guys. And they were just in Matt Ryan's face all day, Sage. I felt like he played about as bad as you'll ever see Matt Ryan, but we tend to see that a lot when Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin are at their best. So yeah, we saw sort of an old Everson Griffin, or uh, you know, from a couple years ago, who was you know the prime of his career, and he did take a step back last year. But you know, we also must remember uh, he was dealing with some things last year, and I don't know all the details of it, but he took some time off. I can't remember how many games it was, but he sure took some time away from the team and dealt with that. And anyone who's been through some sort of challenge in their life, especially like a mental thing, dealing with something, whether you know it's a a, tr- a, a, a tough relationship or you're not happy your job, whatever it is, it's hard to function physically at, at a high level. The mind has to be clear, has to feel good and be confident. And, and you know, maybe that was part of the reason he took a little step back that last year. And now coming back this year, you know, it's, it seems like he's in a great place. And, you know, when, it, when your mind's in a great place, you can perform much better. That is a fact. I ask any therapist that or, you know, a sports psychologist or whatever, if your mind is in a really good place, you will play better. And, and he played fantastic yesterday. So to, to sort of have now two back to have, you know, it's only one game, but back to having two uh, you know, Pro Bowl quality defensive ends on this football team, that is huge. And, and uh, you know, Daniil Hunter, he's been spectacular, but uh, to have Everson play like that yesterday, that is very, very good news for this defense. So I want you to explain something else to me. So I, Clearly it all starts up front in their ability to pressure quarterbacks. Matt Ryan was thrown off from the very beginning. But another thing was, when Anthony Barr got his sack, Anthony said after the game that he was basically surprised like he even hesitated for a second because he was like wait no one's gonna block me at all and i see at u.s bank stadium sage more offensive lines getting totally confused and baffled by what's going on with the vikings and with the noise and everything else they can't communicate and uh, alex boone the other day talked about how it all starts with harrison smith and i thought we saw that right from the beginning where he comes up to the box and he's moving around and it looks like he's gonna rush and then he doesn't rush and he drops back out and it seems to throw off everything and it's almost like any offense that comes into u.s bank stadium they're going to have problems even if they have an elite quarterback just because of the noise combined with what the Vikings can do with Harrison Smith and then their pass rush. So if you make the slightest mistake, you're going to get sacked. So in some ways, Harrison Smith reminds you of Troy Palomalu. I mean, physically, they're different. Harrison's much longer, I think better you know, in this in the deeper secondary in the free safety mode, uh, but you know both of them when they uh, when they play and, and Palomalu was probably the 
the craziest at this anyone I ever saw. Ed Reed would run around a lot too, but those guys, they knew where they had to be at the snap and what the responsibility was. So let's just say they had to be, uh, you know, uh, over top of Xavier Rhodes because they were the cover two safety. So at some point they're going to have to get, you know, 18 to 20 yards deep and on the numbers. They know that at the snap they had to get there to, to help out, you know, the, the, the cornerback who's underneath. But before that, they would just roam around and be everywhere, mm-hmm. up in the A gap, over here by the by the tight end. You know, he's down here. He's walking around the middle of the field. But they had this great ability to time up where they were physically on the field, where the quarterback was maybe in the snap count, where the play clock was, and where at the end of the day their actual responsibility needs to be. And Harrison does that. And with Palomalu, the sort of thought was wherever he is, unless he's blitzing, wherever he is is not where he, he's going to end up. So if he's down, he's probably going to end up sprinting back somewhere, right? Uh, so there is this sort of feel where you almost go off the opposite, uh, and that can be, you know, there's a lot of thought that goes into that. It screws up the offensive line. When there's a safety down, you may have to count for him and slide the line in a different direction. And, and for the quarterback and the, 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 the wide receiver has to go, okay, well, if Harrison does blitz, I may have to break off my route. There's all these rules that come into play when you have a safety that's sort of a roamer like this. But Harrison, at the end of the day, does an, an unbelievable job of getting to where he needs to be uh, to have his responsibility, to sort of do his job. But the confusion that he creates, uh, definitely with the not just the quarterback and the receivers, but like you know with the offensive line because it does affect them as well, and they're just not as confident um, maybe of what they have to do because of you know the constant movement by a guy like Harrison Smith. Sage, uh, before we go to break, I want to throw a statistic at you here that is maybe the best news for the defense yesterday, aside from Everson Griffin. I think that it all starts with him in terms of whether they're a uh, top defense or maybe just good. Xavier Rhodes was thrown at five times. He gave up three receptions for 27 yards. That's it. From yeah, Xavier he played Rhodes well. Yesterday. He played well. He did. The, um, you know, and listen, there's, if you're a premier corner, there's going to be balls caught on you. The offense has like every advantage in the rule book. So, uh, and, and we, this is a guy we've discussed, uh, you know, that didn't, again, sort of like Everson did not play as well last year. Uh, I'd say he played well in this game, and he was very physical in the run. There was one play; uh, it was to the Atlanta's uh, left, and 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 the ball bounced outside, and it was what you call a crack replace situation, where the receiver cracked the safety who's down. Uh, I'm not sure which safety it was, but it was down to you know be in position to make the tackle. Well, then the corner's job is to then replace him, uh, and you you can't get the ball, you can't let the ball get around you. You're the sort of the last gap on the field to the sideline, and the ball did bounce past uh, past Xavier Rhodes, and it maybe was a 15 yard yard run, not the end of the world. And it was the second half, but and I'm not trying to be picky. I'm just uh, pointing out that they're you know he didn't play perfect, but. I think all in all, the entire secondary, you know, played pretty well. Yeah, they threw, they had 300 yards passing, uh, but you know they threw the ball 46 times, and you know so many of those were sort of easy yards in the second half of the that the Vikings were willing to give up, uh, you know, to to play a softer zone defense and allow those completions to happen. I'm not going to be snarky about statistics and passing yards and winning. Okay, I will. Uh, it's like when Teddy threw for 3,000 yards and won games and played well. Uh, okay, uh, we'll take a break. Um, the poll right now, at Matthew Collar, you can go vote there. Um, 56% saying, yes, the Vikings can continue to play like this. I don't mean, it should be obvious that I don't mean throw 10 passes. They're going to throw more than 10 passes. I mean win by Delvin Cook and playing defense like that to win the NFC North. We'll continue the discussion when we come back. Sage Rosenfels, Matthew Collar, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. 
246. I'm skipping ahead hours. 246 here at Score North. Time for the Score North download. Celebrating a big 28-12 win over Atlanta yesterday to open the season for the Vikings. So we want to know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter, who was your player of the game? Was it Dalvin Cook with his rushing touchdowns and his big game yesterday? Or was it Anthony Harris with his couple of interceptions that sounded somewhat like this? Ryan in the gun. Play fake to Freeman, shoots it downfield. Jones tried to come down with it, and it's intercepted by Anthony Harris. Smith, the fullback, moves. Here's Ryan, a little bit of a bootleg. Going to try and throw for the back line, and it's intercepted by Anthony Harris. And I was trying to tell if it was Stocker or Hooper that was the intended receiver. Harris has his second interception of the day. He also had a fumble recovery. Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, Sage Rosenfels here, also on Purple Daily, um, for a couple more minutes, then Judd Zolgad comes in, and I'm going to get Judd to overreact to everything, because that's what they call it, Overreaction Monday, and that's like Judd's best talent. So we're going to use that in uh, in the second hour here. And I'm also going to say, hey, Judd, I told you not to be that concerned about the offense after the third preseason game, and then the offense played just fine, and they won. Um, so... Uh, Sage, getting the responses from people on the Twitter poll, like, can they keep winning like this? It made me go back to 2017 in a game where Case Keenum threw for 188 yards and they won over Baltimore. Another game where he threw for 139 yards and they beat Green Bay. 189 yards, they beat Chicago. I mean, it, it really wouldn't surprise me at all if they won a lot of games. There's one where he threw for, uh, well, he only played the second half, threw for 140 and beat Chicago. But um, Case Keenum had some big games in 2017, but he only cleared 300 yards two times. I mean, I don't think that with a defense like this and a home field advantage like this, that they're going to have to get into tons of shootouts this year. They might have to with Kansas City at some point, and maybe there are some other uh, good offenses that they play. Dallas looked really great with uh, Kellen Moore calling the plays, but of course they were playing the New York Giants. So I would vote yes on my own poll, that I think that they can win a lot of games using this same style. Yeah, we're talking, uh, you're talking like 10 and 6, you know, type of thing where you're, you're not going to maximize, you know, like, can this team win 14 games in that style? Probably not. There are going to be some games this year where this quarterback is going to have to sort of put the team on his shoulders. And it's, it's not going to be a lot, but there are going to be some games where it's, they're, they're, they're going to know going in, or we're going to have to keep up with, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs or some of these teams. That's going to be a high scoring game. And dang it, we're going to have to throw the ball 45 times. Uh, and it's got to be a variety and this quarterback's going to have to win in some games. If that does happen, I mean, I think that might be the, you know, the, this, the season's going to go along and the Vikings are going to win some games. They're going to lose some games. But if we get to this point where we know they're good, and then they play a team in a shootout, and Cousins plays really well. And he throws three touchdowns. He doesn't throw any interceptions. He only gets sacked maybe once or twice or something like that, hangs on to the football, and he sort of wins us the game. That might be the sort of the giant step that this offense and this team needs to go, okay, we can beat anybody. We can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We can beat somebody else. And it's a lot to do with our quarterback played extremely well in a big time game, that would be huge for them. That's going to be down the line, and you know, this week they might end up being a shootout. I doubt it, uh, but uh, it might be a shootout again this week. I know this. I don't believe they're going to be able to run the football this week like they did 
uh, you know, this past weekend versus the Atlanta Falcons. Green Bay's defense played extremely well against the Chicago Bears, and I watched that game sort of inside and out. Uh, I actually do a radio show in Chicago. I get to talk about Mitchell Trubisky tomorrow oh. for uh, 20 minutes in Chicago. How, how great is that? So I actually get to watch all his throws, too, just like Cousins is, and sort of try to break it down. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of things in that offense. And that Green Bay defense, uh, second year with uh, with Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator, they won that football game the other day. So uh, I am sort of fascinated. You know, the Vikings just played a sort of a poor defense and a good offense. The, our, uh, the Vikings defense stepped it up and, and, you know, I would say outplayed the Atlanta offense. But also our offense outplayed the Atlanta defense. Now we're coming to a situation where the defense is the strength of this football team right now. The offense only scored, you know, 10 points, you know, whatever in that game the other day. So, um, you know, we, we, this is a different, uh, you know, the, the, the game plan is going to be different. And, you know, we'll see if, if they can't run the football and, and Rodgers starts lighting it up and doing Aaron Rodgers things. This might be the game where, you know, Kirk Cousins has to throw 45 passes. And I will say this, you know, I've been around Gary Kubek a long time, uh, you know, played under him for, you know, thir- for three years, but you know, for over the past thirteen years, and watched him play. He is not, uh, and watched him coach. He is not afraid if things aren't going well to just keep running your you run the ball into a wall. Like he's not afraid to go. You know what? This is how we're going to win the football game. Uh, and I think Stefanski's not either. To to you know, it's it's middle of the second quarter. We got eight rushes for six yards. It ain't happening today. And to be able to switch uh, gears and to go to another style. They, listen, they've got that huge play sheet that they only called a, a few of those passes there the other day. They got that play sheet for, for more often than not for games that where you need a ton of passes. Uh, and at some point, they're going to have to use a lot of that play sheet this year and really open up this offense because running the football is just not going to happen. And that's just the way it's going to be. There's some really good defenses out there. Atlanta was not one of them. And that matched up very well with the Vikings offense and, and, and our defense. So I did see some snark yesterday, Sage, from people, which online I know is stunning that people would be snarky on the Internet. But uh, about... On the radio, people are snarky, too. Yeah, mostly me, usually. (laughs) Uh, Not sometimes. Every day. Uh, One of your best traits, though. I appreciate it. It really is. Like, I need to make that a brand. Like, just, uh, we need to sponsor every snarky snarky comment. Snarky radio from three to four. Like, hey, Mike Boone had a better preseason than Alexander Madison. Why wasn't he the starter? Uh, What you should do, what you should do, what you should do, well, you know. People in Minnesota, people like to say there's sometimes people are passive aggressive. I know you had been yeah. in Buffalo before. I'm more this, just but, aggressive. You know, I think that's sort of everywhere. Yeah, what that New York thing that that, that yeah. from just passive aggressive to just straight up aggressive. That's uh, that's the New York in you. I think maybe you should have like a 20 minute segment sometime where you write down all the snarky comments from when you watch a game. Just write them down <laughs> yes. and just sort of unload them. Usually that's just Twitter, but yeah, yes. but yeah, just sort of put unload them and just to <laughs> roll like through the snarky things fire. I thought of yesterday yes. for three hours and 15 minutes at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, that well, that is a good plan, and I have yeah, I do have others for the rest of the show like. Oh, man, I was so wrong about Antonio Brown that the best team ever picked him up. Darn me. Uh, Don't get me started on that situation, by the way. And and the Patriots, (laughs) I actually, I don't, I mean, either Antonio Brown really is crazy, all right, or... It was like the most brilliant move ever yes, of like totally so be the was. crazy. Cause I feel like that's who wants to get traded to Oakland. The team's not very good. I don't totally. think him and Gruden were ever going to vibe. Gruden's like, do it my way or the highway. And Antonio Brown's got his own strange thing going on. But I, I think the rumor was that he really wanted to go to the Patriots all along. Uh-huh. Like yep. that. I, I actually believe the day the Steelers traded him to the Raiders. I got to think that Drew Rosenhaus and somebody in Pitt and somebody in uh, New England talked 
or they were talking before that, maybe for a year. Who knows? Because Antonio probably wants to go in Super Bowl with Tom Brady before it's you know before they're both too old. So I actually believe this happened started a long time ago, and Antonio Brown basically decided I'm going to be a total pain in the neck, crazy yep. person. Yep. In particular, right when it comes up to the most, like he didn't do it early. He wasn't so crazy, uh, you know, after the trade in the summertime and all these things. It was mostly right here at the end. It was like all built up right around the time where everyone has to make decisions. That's when the real, I mean, it was really all through training camp, but, you know, it really went nuts on the end. And, like, it was that was the last straw. It is a beautiful uh, tactic if uh, you're into, like, trying to get out of your contract and go somewhere else where a team that traded draft picks for you were so upset by the whole situation, they gave you up for free. So a situation, again, where Bill Belichick supposedly was going to make a trade to Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh didn't want to trade him to him because you know, they might play each other in the playoffs or something, trades him to Oakland, and, and then Bill, Bill Belichick gets him for nothing, for just the money, no no compensation at all with draft picks. And so at the end of the day, man, you know, uh, Josh Gordon, phenomenal. He was great last night. Edelman's obviously really, really good. Uh, they had another young guy who's a, who's a burner that he scored a long touchdown last night, uh, Dorsett. I mean, this might be without Gronk. Uh, you know, it's interesting. They went uh, Gronk and Hernandez with the tight ends. Now they got like four receivers mm-hmm. and running backs that can catch the ball. This might be a year where, where, uh, Tom Brady throws for, you know, 40, 4,800 yards. I mean, he has got an amazing receiver core. And, uh, this might be his, I'm fairly sure this is his best, uh, receiving core in his career. And that includes when he had, uh, Randy Moss and Wes Welker on the same set, on the same team. Well, I, for one, couldn't ever see Bill Belichick doing anything diabolical like, uh, like this, right? Not like filming the real other question coaches. Is if, or... The real question is if Belichick gave him advice. There's, like, hey, go there. There's no just doubt be, he did, right? Just be a nut, and I just know Gruden will hate it, and he'll want to control you, and it's not going to work out. So the crazier, Man. the better. I mean, I, Belichick, I can see that. Three-dimensional anyone... chess. Yeah. Yep. There... There's no doubt in my mind that that's what happened. And I also heard from someone who has some connection to this, like, distantly, that uh, A.B. practiced a few times with Derek Carr and was like, nope, (laughs) this guy is not not Tom Brady. I played behind David Carr's older brother, and I knew Derek, I think at the time he was, like, in middle school or maybe high school uh, when, when when I was in Houston. And they're interesting guys, and you know they're not the easiest. They're 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 um, not always the easiest guys to talk to about like you know various things. I guess they're sort of simple, nice guys, uh, you know, smart guys. Uh, but it what they what they weren't always very you know super personable. I guess, mm. and so you know that that is a real thing, by the way, in locker rooms where uh, when quarterbacks aren't always relatable. Uh, and you know, from player fifty-three, or, or you know, a player who grew up in Liberty City, Florida, outside of Miami, uh, and a total you know rough deal with a quarterback who's a total country clubber, that disconnection can be very, very real. And the ability, and that's where like you know, guys like Favre are so good, and, you know, probably like yeah, guys like Dan Real, the ability to really connect. Uh, you know, with your players, and it seems to me that Tom Brady has the ability to do that, uh, despite the fact that you know he's basically a billionaire, uh, and his wife's a supermodel, and he has the most perfect life, and yet it seems like he can sort of be one of the guys, uh, and you know, be comfortable talking with all those guys. And it's not surprising to me that you know Derek Carr struggled to you know have a conversation with Antonio Brown. But then again, I don't know how how many people actually can have. Uh, a legit conversation with Antonio Brown right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, of course, the Patriots win, and, and uh, they're going to be 
it's got to be them and the Chiefs in the, the AFC playoffs. It, it's going to be really, really interesting. It's going to be fun to watch both those teams all year in the AFC. Well, I think that the fact that his um, videographer came out today and said, no, Gruden actually knew that they were going to record the call, tells you that the whole thing was very set up and brilliantly um, executed. So good for them. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, I was yep. uh, I was actually like, hey, that was a pretty good answer by Gruden. I thought he answered everything really well to try to support his player. He was sort of saying and doing all the right things. And, uh, and, and it was, it was a beautiful, like, hype video, uh, you know, pr- you know, sort of production deal. It, it was, it was pretty dang cool. But, you know, that people are talking about the legality of it all. Uh, it was, you know, it was very, very unusual. And, and, you know, of course, everyone saw that video yesterday of, uh, a couple days ago of him screaming that the, the Raiders released him and him running outside into his yard and, and just super psyched that he just gave away a $30 million guaranteed contract. Uh, but you know, he gets half the back with a one year, $15 million deal. And it sounds like, uh, they even had a, like a year on it for 20 million for the second year. So, you know, we'll see how he does at the minimum. Uh, the Patriots have a very, very good weapon, uh, a third or fourth very, very good weapon at that wide receiver core. All right, Sage, great stuff. We'll get together on Wednesday. We'll look forward to Green Bay. I'll talk to you then. Sounds great. All right, Judd Zolgad comes up next. We're going to see how much we can overreact to stuff in the NFL. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.